it's not easy butchering people. It's hard work. You know, there's a lot more like me. We're talking to serial killers. Serial killers! New terminology. Are criminals born, or are they formed? How do we get ahead of crazy if we don't know how crazy thinks? It's easier to ask for forgiveness than for permission. Welcome to the Hollow Nine Mindhunter Podcast. Okay, I'll call to order the uh, this meeting of the uh, Hollow Nine Network's Behavioral Sciences Division. Uh, led by yours truly, uh, Dave the Clone, uh, director of the team here. Joining me for this meeting are Mr. T.W. Brown, one of the voices of Tangent City and a uh, longtime member of the uh, investigative team. How are you tonight, sir? Doing well. Watching my bees beard up on their box outside. So That sounds pretty dirty for anybody <laughs> who wasn't part of the... Pretty- <laughs> Anyone who wasn't in the green room before we went live, that's all... Uh, <laughs> supposed to be as cryptically disgustingly dirty as it sounds but uh sounds like it's just hot fun in the summertime out there by you sir so enjoy (laughs) that while we talk about serial killers tonight and uh also back with us for the uh debrief here jenny erp how are you doing fantastic staying out of the smoke hopefully as much as possible here in southern oregon yay (laughs) i was gonna say is that somehow a 10 minutes in purgatory reference just to name drop some of the shows that uh no you can hear jenny i wish wish it was i wish it was (laughs) we're a (laughs) self-referential network here you know we always like to name drop our other shows within our other shows so if you're somebody i actually wonder if somebody would write in and tell us what it's like if you just watch one of our shows and just hear about all these other shows what is your impression and if you are someone who follows all the other shows and hears about all the other shows you're like you're the one who collects all the comics in the big crossover that's going on constantly. So you have the full picture, mm-hmm. the Night Stalker series where it was like Ghost Rider, Blade and like five other comics where they were all those cool black covers. Anyone who was a comic book fan in the 90s, hopefully Marvel uh, remembers what I was talking about right there. But that's not what we're here to talk about tonight. We're here to talk about episode 10 at the end of the uh journey here for at least season one of the netflix original show mind hunter easily what has become i guess kind of my favorite episode but i guess just because it's the culmination so much comes to bear in this episode it's like uh we see our guys in rare form when they hit the ground running in uh, in atlanta it's just so much of it's so cool i don't want to get too far down the road before i let you guys uh give us your first impressions before we go diving any deeper I have to say that this, to me, um, watching Ford's character, you can really see him portraying uh, John Douglas uh, to a T based on what I got from the books of his that I've gone through so far. Um, you see you see the fact that, yes, he is ahead of his time, but you do see his arrogance. And you also see the fact that it's it's just a simple matter of he's the guy wearing the tie that is the only thing really keeping him from being on the other side of the table. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, all it would have taken was one really bad day where he slips and flips and he's the serial killer instead of the profiler. Uh, the fact that he can get so deep into these people's minds and that he knows how they work. Uh, 
I think really comes across well in this episode and it's, it's portrayed well. Um, but to me, his ego and his arrogance really comes through here and, and, and not, some people might see those as bad words, but for what he was doing and what he needed to do and how he needed to be able to uh, stand up for this and, and fight for something he really truly believed was going to be a game changer. Um, you have to have it. You have to have that kind of confidence uh, and to an extent, ego and arrogance to really be able to withstand the slings and arrows that are going to come his direction pretty much through most of his early career. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tough one to follow right there. Jenny, you have any, uh, immediate reactions to this episode i know we were all sort of um, looking forward to doing this one yeah i mean it's it's weird because not having um not being here for the last one i was came into this episode and it's been so long since i watched this but i remember like immediately remembered it and i was like oh yes yes this is the one where they have to go down to atlanta and they set the dude up and i was like it very much felt like uh, like a Criminal Minds episode, like they'd gotten to that point where they're like, "Oh yeah, we know what we're doing now." But then there's there's that point where you're like, "Well, but they kind of they're kind of still learning because it kind of seems like they need to take a little bit more time and and just settle themselves down before they start going in and going at people." Because like like immediately when they go to Atlanta, the guy the detective that they're working with, he's like, "What the frick are you guys doing?" Like this is super not right. Like we should not be doing this at all. So it's just a, it's just a matter of like training the people that they're working with also be like, we know what we're doing, but it doesn't seem like we do. <laughs> well, it's like, to me, there's like a, a huge carry through. Like we have a couple things going on in this episode, especially the fact that this is one of the two all season that doesn't start with some BTK killer stuff going on as the cold open. Very true. Um, which yep. we, I remember last episode, we were trying to figure out how many episodes don't start with BTK and it's only two. And this is one of them. And, and it's kind of, I think maybe significant because it starts with, um, mail being delivered to their office at the beginning of the day. And is it that we're seeing the card that comes from, uh, from Ed Kemper, I guess, being delivered yeah. to, um, yep. to, to Ford's desk. Yeah, but, um, because the last episode ends with mail so to speak right yeah and and so there's also that and the fact that last episode when they first meet the detective from atlanta and they all go out for uh drinks and dinner after they've been sort of walking through the crime scene and the investigation and we saw sort of holding go into like jedi mode i guess if we want to call it where he's like literally describing the mindset and and uh this is sort of now the continuation of that where it's like we have an opportunity not only an opportunity to face off directly with him but they have to now because against their advice the detectives in atlanta went ahead and brought devier in for a polygraph which he passed which they which Holden said he would, and uh, they had to immediately yeah. scramble to go into all right. Well, now what do we do with this? You know, now that they've done that, which we were really hoping they wouldn't, how do we still figure out how to catch him? Because now it's like a step away from him getting away for good. Well, yeah, because back then they were like, oh, yeah, the polygraph that's like the end all be all. This, this means something, you know? And now we know, no, you can fake it or inconclusive results. Like they got inconclusive results on that. So it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. And, and so, unless you're on Maury. 
Yeah. It's a, it's <laughs> yeah. This is a this is a point that he hammers home over and over uh Douglas does in his books about how a lot of these unsubs by the time they sit down their their arrogance is really what gets them through this, you know, mm -hmm. because they're just they're so convinced that they've done nothing wrong that they're not going to technically fail these things, and which is why he was so dead set against putting some of these people down because at that time, like you were saying, Jennifer, that they were the system was so uh, caught up in the voodoo of yeah. of a polygraph and and believing in its you know accuracy a hundred percent basically that this was going to exonerate this guy and get him off the hook, you know, which is why he was trying to keep, especially people that are in the mindset that he is working with in behavioral sciences. He was trying to keep them away from polygraphs because he had no confidence in the system's yeah. ability to catch them. Yeah. And so once, you know, <laughs> what I think is hilarious is that, that eventually, though, is what wound up to them tripping this guy up and to hanging himself. You know, I mean, it's it's sort of like, well, you know, we know he's a narcissist. You know, how do we play to that to make it work for us? But it's really, you know, the other sort of craft and magic to it is the way Holden, as soon as they arrive at the airport in Atlanta, is like, OK, yes. here's how this is going to go down. I want you to pick him up tonight. Can you do it like at six or seven o'clock, like after hours? And and from that moment, the detective's like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> like after hours? Yeah. You know, and, and half of that is that's not how we usually do things. And the other half is shit. I had plans tonight. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's. <laughs> A certain level of like, what the hell? And it's like, yeah, well, listen, dude, you got to lose those fucking plans because you're the one you're the reason we had to come back here. So the taxpayers paid for our flight because yeah. you did exactly what we told you not to do. And now we only have one more shot to keep this guy from walking. And they really use the they really use music to to. A good I was effect. just going to say like, that. Well, scene, you know, I mean, yes. he's like walking through. He's like, you want, I want you to do this and this and this. And hearing the breakdown of it um, when he. You know, tells him he wants the files on that desk to look like a phone book. You know, yeah. I want to look like the Manhattan yeah. phone book. I mean, he he is stacking the deck and putting this whole visual show on for this guy. Yeah. And then the big reveal is going to be the rock under the coat. Now, when he went down there, that was his that was his game plan. He he knew that if this guy would fixate on the rock, he could get him. That was his whole game plan going in. All this other stuff was preliminary huh. leading up to it. But and, this was like Kaiser Soze reveal level of layering. Yeah, totally is. Yeah. yeah and, and, and that's the that's sort of the, the brilliance behind him. I mean, behind what these guys did so early on, because this wasn't being done. And to do what he did, I mean, he sent the one guy to go get the baton, mm -hmm. you know, rub it in some dirt, do all the other stuff. But during this whole scene, when he's getting down to the criminal's level, watching the faces of the cop behind the glass and the cop in the room is almost <laughs> the best part of the scene. It's absolutely priceless. Yeah. You know? During during the interrogation or while he's setting everything up and making during all the of this? Yeah, during the interrogation. Yeah. Because yeah. now you've got somebody present when he's using basically a new version of the, quote, ape right cunts line that he uses in Chicago. And this is, mm -hmm. he's getting down to this guy's level, but he's also trying to get him to identify. And what he went in as part of his game plan was to basically turn the table around for this guy and get the guy to admit to it by sympathizing that 
you didn't mean to do this. She came on to you. And that's what happens afterwards. The part that we don't get to see is after they leave the room, when the guy drops his head and, and he's like, I just need you to say it. He basically just gets the guy to say it by convincing him, man, we get it. This is her fault, not yours. And that's yeah. more playing to that narcissistic mm -hmm. side. And eventually, yes, the guy does fry. Uh, there was a, he has a post wrap in the book and this guy did get the chair. Um, <laughs> wow. So yeah, but, I mean, but you worked. saw that even Holden realized he had to adjust his approach by one stopping the tape at the right time. So there is none of this bullshit with the other tape, you know, to deal with again, because because yeah. uh, wow, you're really great English, Dave, because um, <laughs> it's oh, we're talking really, about <laughs> it's really the key to unlocking these guys is to kind of make them think that you're sympathetic to the way they feel more than they think because they don't think the way the rest of us do you know that the sociopathicness yeah. of this makes sure that they don't think and operate on the way that people who don't murder people think and operate and so the only way to get them to even consider the idea of admitting something they did to this level of of being of horror <laughs> is to make them believe that you're just like them but you happen to be on the side that has the badge you know and yeah. holden's the perfect person for that um and he I, I even like that he he had to pull the i'll take full responsibility for whatever happens you know and and he even after warning them said listen dude i'm gonna have to say some things that you're probably gonna be squeamish about just chill and relax yeah. and let me do my thing and then turning the tape off was like the icing on the cake of, okay, you know, that stuff I mentioned outside and you noticed I didn't turn on the tape back on. This is it now. Okay. Are you ready? Like yeah. nut up, let's go. And they don't, you know, that actually bothered me when he did the, let's take a break. Like you could be breaking the momentum. What if you throw yeah. the whole thing off right now? Like yeah. you local guys, you call for help and then you don't let us help. What are you doing? And, and that's just it. They have to be invited in. And so they've been invited, but they can get that rug pulled out from any, from them anytime they want. One of the, the beauties about this interrogation and listening to because they share a lot of the transcripts in the book. He kind of goes through the whole Q&A portion. Wow. And one of the beauties of what I got to listen to is the fact that he is so sympathetic. He's like, you know, it you you really thought she was into you, didn't you? I mean, that's just it. You didn't you weren't trying to hurt her. You thought she was really into you, and then and then when it didn't go right, you didn't know what to do. You got scared. You you never set out to kill the girl. That wasn't part of your plan, was it? The guy's like, no. God. <laughs> Yeah. That's wow. Over. Wow. Got it. Yeah. That, and that's how he hooks him by basically sympathizing with him and saying, you didn't yeah. mean to. And that's how he reels him in. That is the, like I said, I wish they would have put that scene about another 60 seconds and let that play out. Because when I mm -hmm. listened to it, to me, that was one of the most impressive moments of listening to how he operated and you kind of miss it. You get all that great buildup. But to me, it was like, getting all the buildup and then now they're laying in bed, smoking a cigarette. <laughs> I, I don't know. I liked it. I thought, I thought him shaking the way he, and, you know, like, and he, and he was shaking more and more the closer that they got to concluding the whole thing. And you could really hear his breath too. And the total tone shift as well. You know, before he turns the tape recorder back on, 
they're all still doing this sort of like, hey, man, we're all sick perverts as well. It's all it's all good. Admit shit. It's fine. We're here for you, bro. But then when they mm-hmm. uncover the rock and see his face and then they start the tape recorder again. At that point, him, he and Tench are just like two sharks, both pulling the same piece <laughs> of dead floating whale in their own directions because Fire it's like. Just from one side to the next. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's like so you know when you do that, blood sprays everywhere, right? It's like yeah, man, it gets all over the place. It's like it probably gets in your ears and your nose and your hair <laughs> and your fingernails. It's like should we check under his fingernails? He's like no, he's probably washed his hands since then. He goes, but what about his hair? Yeah, there's lots and lots of capillaries in the scalp. That blood is just like a fine mist. Yeah, it's probably in your ears. How often do you clean your ears? And you you see him like looking at them, going like, wait, wait, what? What clean my ears? Like like who cleans their ears? You know, like little things like that on his face that show you like wow you know he walked into this in the beginning of of the day thinking well like i cleared the polygraph i'm gonna help them they actually want my help like i'm not a cop i'm not an investigator <laughs> you know but they want my help in uh in solving this case all right maybe i can help them out it's funny how that sort of i got away with it ego makes you suddenly think you could pull off pretending to be a super guy you know not even well, just a good guy it's it's also that ego that that he doesn't even realize any of the button pushing on the recorder. Like, how do you not understand? It's a recorder. Everybody knows how to use one back then. It's two buttons for a recording. Like, like, yeah, you don't do just you put, understand he's that? just he just pushed pause, man. Like yeah, right in front of you, yeah. he pushed pause and nothing it's else. Nothing, nothing. That, that's what killed me. I was like, you just he was. The, Devier was so inside himself and just like, yeah, I got this. I don't even have to worry about anything. That he wasn't paying attention to anything around him until the rock. Yeah. Was crazy that whole thing was so good they also the sick the sort of uh as an aside the sickness of the idea that there's a place where 14 is the age of consent and <sighs> for for a guy like this to even i mean like come on even if it is the age of consent the fact that you're doing it is still disgusting man like don't don't hide behind the technicality <laughs> you know that's still gross yeah welcome to georgia and a few other choice places in the south wild <laughs> But it was it was neat to watch them, you know, use their Jedi mind tricks. Oh, exactly. And have it completely work. And then I actually I really liked the scene afterward because this is the most human we've seen Holden in the entire season. I think, you know, like the like this is this is him in bed afterwards with a cigarette. You know what I mean? This is his like grocery store sequence. No, at the bar when he's Brett, when when he's sort of flapping his gums each other on the back. Good old boy and each other. Yeah. Well, also, like the way he he feeds off the sort of way that they look at him in awe. You know what yeah, I mean? I was going to say that that to me, his his attitude in the bar in that scene feels like, oh, yeah, now I'm, I feel important now. So I'm going to just keep going, you know, like, oh, you guys, you guys like what I do now. So I'm just going to I'm just going to boost myself up some more because and, and, I'm a badass now. It, <laughs> it, it, felt, it felt a little bit fake for me for him in that That's second. You see that serial killer parallel. Yeah, you know, yeah. Ego and that serial killer parallel that he's got, you know? Yeah, I mean, definitely. he admits to, you know? Yep. Wow, you know what? I didn't even think about it like that until you just said that. And I've this is, I don't know, the 10th time I've watched the, this episode, you know? Um, wow, yeah. I mean, holding, again, and I've at this point, all right, it's the last episode of the season. You won't have to hear me be a broken record about it anymore, but... The fact that he's not going to turn out to be one of these serial killers really friggin' still eats at my brain. You know, like, yeah. like yeah. this could have easily become a historical fiction show where it has certain elements where they change what happened in reality. And 
the idea of a character that starts out this level of uh, Clary Starling and then becomes Hannibal, that would be an interesting show, I think, you know, and and this definitely has the tone where that would be believable. Um, But, you know, here I was thinking maybe um, this is Holden as most human, but that is an interesting way to see it. This is Holden in his celebration phase after getting away with his, you know, 15th murder and burying the head under his worst enemy's house or something. <laughs> you, you see, and I don't know if I was tainted by listening because one of the things that happened when I got to listen to a lot of his books is is I got a little tired of the I did this, I did this thing that he does in his books. Oh, he's, interesting. He, he's really into telling you what he did. <laughs> uh, uh, he is really into it. it doesn't matter that and I and I referenced the BTK thing. But he almost takes sole credit, despite the fact that he'd been retired and out of the force for over a decade when Landwehr and company nailed this guy. And they had already come up with an idea of how they were going to corral him. And it just happened to be very similar to what they get told when they go up to the behavioral sciences place and talk to these guys and talk to, you know, the namesake here. Um and he almost takes sole credit for the for the capture of BTK in a couple of his spots in his books. And it's like, wow, he is really full of himself at times. <laughs> you know, it really got difficult to listen to. And that was the that seeing that scene in the bar, I'm like, that's the guy that wrote that book. Uh-huh. And yeah. also him in the grocery store afterwards as well, you know. Oh, was, yeah. Which I don't know what to make of the way it was um staged, how like he's just tossing things into the basket, you know. Yeah, like, who does that? Like, oh, like that bothered me so much. Gonna break. <laughs> yeah, like willy-nilly, I'm like, I guess you don't have any eggs in there, huh? <laughs> like, because you're just and she's not saying anything about it. This jar of ragu in there. I mean, everything Whoa. just got tossed in, and yeah, that was my wife was watching this with me, and she's like, When is something gonna break? Yeah, that bothered me a lot. I'm not gonna lie. Okay, so I have a question because I can't remember if, if it happened earlier in the season. When he's about to get in the car, he sees the guy walk out of the grocery store. Who is that guy? That's the principal that wound up getting fired and lost okay. his life, basically. But he can still okay. afford to go buy liquor and eat peanuts as he's walking out of the store looking like a, a potential <laughs> serial killer. Um, but it, there was, I don't know, I also felt like the layout of the store felt weird to me. You know, why I've never seen pineapples just on a shelf like that, you know, <laughs> yes. like, like the way the produce so was true. and uh, and how it's like he grabs. Like fro- hanging. There was like lettuce, like hanging, too. I was yeah. Like, What's happening here? And, and like, they, so strange. without really making too many turns, they were able to grab frozen pizzas and then a <laughs> jar of tomato sauce and then like a thing of either cottage cheese or sour cream or it could have been ricotta sauce. But there's the ricotta cheese, but there's a lot of Italian staples being grabbed. <laughs> And yes. I'm not really sure what the significance is there, but it's also the fact that it was all just being tossed in together. And then they walk out with just two bags. Two bags. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I said that this afternoon. I was like, that was a lot of things for two bags. And they do the whole thing where it was almost like if those were two children, they would both be slamming both of the kids into the seats in the back and then slamming the doors closed. Like there was so much I fucking hate you body language going on. They didn't put on the floor or anything. So the first time they go in a corner, that stuff's all over the back. Gone. It's all gone. Yeah, right. Yeah, I know. I'm like, oh, that's going on the seats. You know, come on, man. There's nothing to weigh that shit down. Was there drinks in there that we didn't see you juggling before you threw them into the basket? Um, 
And oh then come back from doing all this. Uh, and the first thing they get kind of shit for is the fact that and they never really tell us who did it, but either the detective or the young uniformed police officer basically gave a transcript of the entire bar conversation yeah. to the Atlanta Chronicle or, or whichever newspaper it was. And, yes. And uh, and it paints Holden as this like superhero new cop kind of new way of investigation. So, you know, everybody else is worried about it. And Holden's like, meh, this is kind of cool, actually. <laughs> you know, that's like me going in. Dick flag fly in this too because when yeah. he, he tells Hinch, are you just jealous because your name isn't mentioned? I was like, what a dick. Well, and the way he said it too, like almost like a concerned guidance counselor, teacher, kind yeah. of school psychologist, <laughs> like, what's really going on here? Tell us your feelings. Is it actually I'm surprised Bill didn't like punch him right there or something? <laughs> actually, that you're just unhappy that your name's not mentioned, man. Like <laughs> I don't know, dude. It's the more and more I watch it, I feel like it's either Holden or his girlfriend have to become serial killers at some point. And just knowing that it can't be Holden, now you got to put money everywhere else. Like maybe Tench will become a serial killer at this point, for all we know. Let's at least veer off. Done. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was. I mean, and and that that whole scene. You know, the room is dark, and they and he come, and and Tench comes in with the papers, and he. Just kind of tosses them, and and you really see that there's kind of some there, there's some really big cracks here, some really big cracks here, and there and there's going to be in any you know in any professional relationship you're going to have your ups and your downs, and they've been in a down cycle for about the last three or four episodes. It sort of started when the the big oh. no, I'm not going to go see Brutus again. Oh, I guess, and you mean the the between the the relationship between Tench and Holden. Yes. Okay. Well, and and Wendy is complicating it because she's the one who's the most upset about this newspaper thing. Like, yeah. Tench is pissed, but she's immediately like, "Oh my god! Oh my god! We got to go there. I got to call the state d the the district attorney. Yeah. You know, like I gotta gotta deal with this." And and everybody's like, "Wait a minute, why?" And even Tench is like, "What are you doing? <laughs> like, what? Why are yeah. you? No, you're not gonna listen. You're not gonna change anyone's mind. They're gonna kill this guy. That was the whole point of this. Like, there's her academia side coming through again, and." To yes. me, that was and, and that was his stab at because he's got a really hardcore belief uh, that that comes across in his writings. He's very pro death penalty, and you can tell that might have been a really big stab at the people that are against it because obviously oh. she sort of symbolizes that whole thing. He talks numerous times at how disappointed he was that Dennis Rader didn't commit a murder. And, after 1994 that they could pin on him to make him eligible for the Kansas death penalty. Oh, um, wow. He's very pro death penalty. And so to me, that wow. scene read whole, a whole different way watching it this time. Now, after reading his books, because Carr is sort of the liberal bias sitting in the room and he is the yeah. very hardcore right side conservative. And there was that clash there that, that really shows. And he's like, if you don't think you're going to get blood on your hands, you're in the wrong building. Interesting. Yeah, well, he's been very matter of fact about everything. And I mean, part of part of that makes it like hard for me. Like, I wouldn't have read this as a hardcore conservative thing. Like, in, I would have seen his side as more analytical along the same lines as Wendy Cars. It's just that her sensitivity 
I still think is so that she will look as good as possible when they decide to publish this thing. You know what I mean? Like she's just like, we can't be associated with getting this guy killed because it'll people will stop talking to us and it's like no some of these guys are already in jail for life you know what i mean like what do you what it's not like it's gonna that's gonna change this guy they caught like this should be in my mind they should be happy about all of it (laughs) you know what i mean this proves that their work is valuable and that it's gonna lead to being able to catching guys like this that one was worthy of a mission accomplished banner that meant something yeah yeah absolutely yeah yeah and so then as if that hiccup isn't bad enough then they have to go and come back to the time bomb that was waiting for them ever since Greg Smith decided he had to he yeah, had to put the tape in the mail. I mean, again, this is to me where like, look, if we are in a group of people and they make a pact that we have to destroy this tape, it's the only copy of evidence that could incriminate all of us. You don't leave that meeting. If one of the people at that meeting is the one who has the tape, you either all go yeah. to where the tape is and watch it burn together. You don't then yeah. all just go back. All right, I got to go to lunch. So make sure that tape gets burned. All right. Like uh, make sure the only evidence that could fuck us is destroyed and not you're not going to have a sudden change of heart and decide to turn us in. Yeah, no, that was that was ridiculous. They yeah. it should have been something that Holden took care of himself. If they if that was their decision, he should have been he shouldn't have let anybody else deal with it. Honestly, yeah. especially since he's all like, I'll take the blame on this one, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. that should have been on his shoulders. And but you also saw that division in the sand where they don't even glance over at Greg Smith while they're out in the hallway having that conversation and they're getting ringed by their director. They're both glaring at Carr. Both yeah. of them. They're well, not even yeah. glancing at their comrade, who is the guilty party. Although, no, Holden does look at Greg Smith. When Greg oh, yeah, Smith opens the door and sticks his head out, he turns and looks right at him. He's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was you, fucker. I know that. Like, you know, the thing is, I didn't even realize that so much until I watched it again this time that uh, there was a legitimate reason for Tench to think it was Carr. You know, that the last time they came back from doing something else, there she was sitting there listening to the tape with the boss. So she's got the history of ratting them out because of the goody two-shoesness of her academic side, you know? And so it, it makes sense for them to think that. And Tench is pissed because it's all like I, fu- I feel like we've already dealt with this and now you went and fucked us again so I'm tired of being nice about the fact that you pissed me off you know and I kind of liked yeah. that moment with Tench yeah oh yeah and and, and and I liked her response as well you know I mean yeah. she, <laughs> but that's also when he looks at her and then he and then Ford looks at her then he glances over at Smith and he just gets this look and he's like he has it all figured out. He knows exactly yeah. what happened because he just sat there without saying a word. He read the whole scene, which is what he does. And now he knows yeah. exactly who did it and who's at fault. Well, and that kind of goes into the the next scene or yeah, I think it's right after that when Holden gets home over to um I can't remember his girlfriend's name Debbie. right now. Debbie's house. That Actually, was like we crazy... reversed it. That scene yeah, came yeah, yeah. first, but it's fine. But but that that whole scene was it was very like um, Sherlock Holmes to me because he like picked out like these three details and then he was like, "Oh, you want to break up with me?" After like this whole spiel that he went through, monologue of shit that she was going through, and she just like sat there like, "Okay, I guess I did want to break up with you. All right, peace out, bye." 
Yeah, and I mean, I love there was something about how real that whole situation felt too. Yeah. For for as much as I would have never experienced it through a Sherlock Holmesy sort of POV, but the idea that like you get home thinking, all right, here's the rest of my night. We're gonna go to dinner and then we'll come back. We'll listen to some music. Maybe we'll have sex. Maybe we won't. We'll fall asleep. Like you're in the routine of the life that you've gotten used to, and yep. hold up, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I get here and. <laughs> wait a minute, you're acting a little weird. And she, it's just the same way that he sets the trap for Devier at the beginning. She sets the trap for him yep. with the conversation, you know? And it's like, okay, yep. Um, you've been bitchy the last time, 10 times we've hung out. We always fight. <laughs> um, you knew I was coming over. So you sat out here, but you didn't bring out an extra glass and half the bottle of wine is gone. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I think there was something yeah. about these, like you've been you've, you've been critiquing me lately and always casting me in a negative light. And uh, then he goes, uh, you offered me a sip, which could be construed as welcoming, but you don't have a glass for me, you know? And then it's like, yeah. you're taking the yeah. edge off to, oh, to break up with me? Fuck! And it's like, what have we got for him? Just profile yeah, the exactly. yeah. You know? He totally did. He's never off the clock. And I think that's what it showed, is the guy never comes off the clock. And well, she wasn't necessarily kissing his ass so much, though, you know, like she wasn't giving him the same level of adulation for for this big win that the cops in the bar were. You know, that's, I think, the big part of the grocery store scene was that she was like kind of throwing a wrench into him just feeling awesome about himself. Yeah. yeah. She was on the same side of the situation that Carr was, you know, th th this could read as coercion. You know, she didn't come out and use those words. Because, you know, that's not her, you know, that's not her forte, the, the whole legal field. But she was basically parroting in a different way what Carr had just said back at the office. And yeah. that's not what he was expecting when he walked in the door. Yeah. I just bagged another pervert. You should love me even more today. Yeah. And he's yeah. like, just once, yeah. can you just be my girlfriend? Like, for fuck's sake, what is this? You know? And, yeah. Oh, he also said there was something about how. She was always, even though she had already passed her exams or something, she was making sure she was staying up late doing homework so that he would be always going to sleep by himself. Yeah, like, by himself, yeah. All these like little subtleties where it's like it's a legit thing. You're saying you have to study. I have to take you at your face value of that you have to study. But you're purposely studying so that we don't fuck. That's not yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah, I don't like yep. that. And uh, yeah, so I love too the parallel of that same, I guess we call it the Debbie's broken up with Holden theme of the show, because it's the same as the day after he caught her in that experiment, getting all close to her lab partner. There's this sort of like minimalist single note kind of theme music going on when he pulls up to work the next day. And it's like, oh, yeah. And that's there's something about the realness of that, too, like having to go to work the day after you got broken up with or that you broke up with yeah. somebody. And it's like, oh, my God, how am I supposed to think of normal shit when all I'm thinking about is how horrible life is right now? You know, and yeah. I, I love that that we see that again. Um, but it, it did sound like that their whole relationship ever since they got back together was just not the way it was originally. It was just not never got back to the like the good that it Too had. tumultuous. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And of course, not only does he come back to deal with the whole more bullshit about the tape, he also gets a message from a doctor to get in touch with him as soon as possible. 
because because he's somebody's emergency like contact (laughs) (laughs) that he's like how did this happen who are we talking about here they're like yeah ed kemper has you listed as his calling case of emergency person um and uh, apparently ed kemper tried to take his own life so he's got that to deal with as well and that really leads to us it's such a good finale setup for them because this whole thing for him starts with Kemper. Yeah. And now he's riding high and really, you know, he's been cocky and arrogant and everything else like that. And now he has to sit down face to face with somebody who for all he is, you know, the serial killer that he is, is not a stupid man, you know? Um, And he basically picks Holden apart. You know, I mean, because Holden's now got to, you know, he finds out the guy that Kemper tried to kill himself. He's going to go out to this hospital and meet in this room with him. And of course, this is not prison where the security is top notch and there's a guard standing yeah. there. This is a hospital where while he may be shackled, he's got a little bit of mobility. And Kemper sort of turns the analysis table around. Well, there's a lot going yeah. on in that in that whole sequence, because. You know, as soon as Holden shows up, Kemper's like, I didn't even expect this to work. So it's like already you're like, wow, <laughs> wow, you're Joker level crazy, man. You will kill. You yeah. will almost kill yourself <laughs> just to force yep. my hand like he you know, there was like in his mind, it seemed like he had a 50 50. I know we didn't we haven't handled the uh, dealing with the sort of trouble of the tape situation yet. But yeah. since we're here, we might as well stay here. But, you know, it was like. What if he didn't survive this suicide? Well, I guess it doesn't really matter, right? Like for Kemper, he's in prison for life. It's not like uh, it's not like there's a lot to lose at this stage of the game, and that's what makes him probably super dangerous as well. You know, um, as long as he stays upright in prison, and that's it. But I mean, like, so he, you know, this he he straight up says, you know, I've made several overtures and invitations to you. And uh, I shouldn't have been surprised that it took something dramatic to actually get you to show up here. Yeah, you know, that's just like, super creepy. It's just super creepy. The whole thing is just super creepy with those two. Like <laughs> they feed off each other. It's like this parasitic relationship between the two of them. Yeah, and but I think they trade who the shark and who the remora is from time to time. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. And it's easier <laughs> to be friends with a serial killer when they're still shackled to a table. You know what I mean? Or yeah. when there's still security guards, armed security guards, like watching to make sure they don't uh, kill you. <laughs> you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. there's there's that, which I think, you know, uh, what we can glean from this, or even basically what Kemper kind of comes out and says, is that he's sort of. Uh, I don't know if I would say annoyed, jealous. He's not happy about the fact that um, because he got to read this article as well. This is another uh, side effect. They not only had to not only did Carr try to convince the the district attorney in Atlanta to not um, go for the death penalty. Uh, And she basically got laughed out of the Capitol for that. Um, Kemper got to read the article and go, oh, so. Holden, who says we're friends, <laughs> is uh, <laughs> using our conversation to get famous. Yeah. Mm, like the anger is more about that, like about Holden mm-hmm. taking credit for all these things that Kemper basically told him. Like that, you know, it's like it's not like Holden would have been able to figure these out without him. And uh, we get the feeling that Kemper is feeling a little left out in the credit department. 
Well, and that is something that you've sure. gathered from these serial killer profiles is the level of narcissism. You know, I mean, it's that it's that level of narcissism that ends up getting BTK caught. But it's mm-hmm. the fact that so now the papers are going to talk about you and not me. And now I'm a subtext in this thing. Yeah. And, and so for him, that's got to yeah. be a that's a that's a slap to the face. You know, that's a brutal slap mm-hmm. to the face. For, for, for somebody with that kind of mind. And I almost wonder if he knew in this hospital that if he would had tried to kill himself, he would wind up in intensive care where there would be this blind spot in the security. Oh, for and sure he did. Like, like he's either been there before or he's sent people there or people he, who have been there he's talked to and he's they're like, oh, yeah, man, I swear to God, if, the, you know, if they came during shift change and that guy was in the visitor's chair, I'd be able to snap his neck before anybody would even realize anything happened. You know, he he yep. intimated he's like, I can not only kill you, but do a couple things to you before <laughs> they would even know that you were dead. You know what I mean? It's like, well, who the hell? He goes, it's an oversight. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's like yeah, I'll be, I'll be sure to tell them about that shit if I live through this. <laughs> like, trust right? me, this oversight's about to get corrected. And guys inside, that's one thing that is is common knowledge and shared around is, you know, the any any weakness in the system, whether you plan to exploit it or not, when you find out about it, it gets shared. Everybody finds out about it. That's that's part of being inside. I mean, that's part of the oh. communication code. So. You know, if that ICU unit has a weakness, believe that's common knowledge in the joint. They wow. All know, they all know about it. Which is yes. funny, too, because when, you know, and even when this happened, you know, like the first the way it's shot, this whole sequence, you know, when Kemper sits up and puts his feet on the floor and there's this sort of like a like a thunder thud. It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. where's the where's the cup of water with the ripple in it? Yeah. The T-Rex is moving. And and I didn't so fast too. Yeah, yeah. Like it would seem like a superhero, you know what I mean? Like the flash. But I didn't notice the first time around. I mean, I think the first time you watch this scene, it's uncomfortable, it's scary, it's very intense. Mm -hmm. But I didn't notice the first time around how many times his eyes keep darting over to the security station. You know, this time I I picked it up because I was watching, and I mean he definitely had this planned Mm -hmm. and I don't think even he knew, though, whether or not he was really going to kill Holden. You know what I mean? Like, it seems like there was a part where it was 100% 50-50. You know, like, this easily yeah. could have. And, and, and the first time watching it, when I didn't realize or know that this was based on a book and that Holden isn't going to eventually become a serial killer and that he's actually a, a living person who wrote the book, so obviously he survives this moment. <laughs> I, I was like, oh, God, man, did you really just walk into this after this whole season? <laughs> After all this, after tripping other people up, you like the only thing you didn't do is wear a tie because he would have been able to use that to choke you out. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, that was is very well done. I mean, and, and I mean, notice how that that first shot that they show of Kemper. What they what do they show? They show his big ass feet. You know? Yeah. yeah. It just like takes up the whole screen. Those are some yeah. big feet. When he hits the ground and then moves to the end of his chain and puts himself between uh, holding in the door. Holding the door, yeah. That is, you know, that's... It reminded me a little bit, too, of, like, um, young Frankenstein, you know, like, he's he's got the, the massiveness of the monster, the Peter Boyle, may he rest in peace, sort <laughs> of uh, stature going on. 
And then, though, you know, the fact that he does just hug Holden, you know, do we think he was going to just hug him or do we think if Holden hadn't, you know, broken his hold and run away, um, maybe Kemper would have killed him? I I kind of hopefully thinking leaning towards that he wouldn't have killed him. But I kind of do feel like maybe it's a 50 50. I don't know. It made me think of the cartoon where the big, you know, abominable snowman is like hugs Daffy Duck so close that he kills him. You know, I mean, that's a, like, oh, I need a new, I need a new pet now. You know, I mean, it's just, I, you know, Rocky and Bullwinkle. Oh, sometimes I don't know most things. I mean, this, this guy is just a beast. Yeah. You know, and 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 legitimately a very large man. I mean, that's just. That's got to, I mean, you, you probably had to change, you know, change your shorts after that one, because that's, that's going to yeah. cause at least a momentary bladder release. Clamp uh, <laughs> down. There's a little bit of moment where you're going to pee a bit when that guy reaches for you and grabs you into his arms. I mean, that's. Do we think that, do we think that Ed Kemper, like, really, really thinks that him and Holden are friends? Absolutely. It's part of their delusion. I think so too, right? I think it's so too. I think that's. But see, then that's where it leaves me that I think he really was, it was just a hug. Like, it was just like, I'm here for you, friend. You're my good friend. Thank you for showing up for me. Yeah. But then, there, but then you, there's always this that little twinkle, like, oh, maybe he's going to do something. Eh, is it going to well, do something? <laughs> there's a certain level, too, where, I mean, like, part of maybe, and maybe this should have been um, something that occurred to me earlier in the conversation, and it's just reflecting now, is that he his letters kept saying, I have more insights for you. I have more insights mm -hmm. for you. Now, as much as we know he was trying to get Holden to go there, there is a certain level, too, where he loves to talk about this stuff. You know, he loves that he had an audience. You know, the, it was the, the police officer that first suggested that Holden speak to this guy was like, oh, dude, he loves to talk. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. So, yeah. So it, there's a certain yeah, level sure, where yeah. even if Kemper thought about it, um, he would be cutting off his his only channel out to a public audience, you know, out to a readership or anything like that. And I think there's a certain point where, you know, he's pointing out this is an oversight. You know, if you're still going to go down this road with me holding, <laughs> you know what I mean? You have to yeah. be prepared and actually start to come around to realize how weak and vulnerable you are and how dangerous it is to play with fire. You know, like if you're going to go talk to uh, Manson, you know what I mean? Or Berkowitz, you know, yeah. you got to really be ready for this shit. Maybe these guys wouldn't have not killed you if yeah. you were, you know, and uh, and definitely when he does run out of this room, one of the things you could see is the sort of little congregation of nurses that had been just outside the security station, they immediately run right back into that room because it's almost like they're like, oh, shit, you know, like we missed something in there. What's going on in there? Mm -hmm. You know, and I, I imagine that there may become a rule where like this room can never be empty. There always has to be at least one or two. people. Oh, yeah. That's how security evolves. I mean, once they find a hole, they plug it. But they're always having to find that next hole. You know, yeah. I mean. That's 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 the way it works. You, you, you're you're impre you're impregnable. You're impregnable until somebody figures a way out of it. Yeah. Yeah. And first you're bearding on the beehive and now you're finding the next <laughs> hole. It's amazing what we do at episode 10. This is how far we've come. That's my job. <laughs> the twist in the mind. But I will add that there is a legitimate reason for his fear in that moment. And that is because, remember, 
Kemper told him when he got pulled over and there were those bodies in his car of those two of those girls that he said he was taking home because they'd had too much to drink. If the cop would have gotten too suspicious, he was prepared to kill him. Uh-huh. Would have killed the cop. Knowing that, and, and, and even with him saying, as much as I like the guys and as much as I liked, you know, our local law enforcement, I would have killed him without hesitation. Yeah, but it's still different. Like Holden has a different connection to him. Holden is sort of like uh, both a means to an end with being able to get his voice out there, but also like the first, you know, he is re- he's fixating a lot on the fact that Holden supposedly said that they are friends. You know, that this Atlanta yeah. article quoting is quoting Holden saying that they were friends. So You're using I think rational mind again, though. You're using rational mind. And remember, these guys don't have one. Their minds aren't rational. They they are impulse in a lot of ways. At the same time, though, and and I didn't pick this up the first couple times I watched this through. You know, the very last scene we finally do get, we get a cold close with the BTK killer. Oh, um, and I I didn't realize this. Maybe this isn't even true, but I think part of the reason we see him, he's burning pictures that I guess he drew of different um, moments of his binding torturing and killing that has been going on and and, um i feel like he's burning that because this atlantic article came out and said that uh at least this is how i read it was that it's like this was a first reveal on the techniques that these uh detectives are going to be using now and that they're going to become better and better at finding these guys and that he's like oh shit i better get rid of some of this trophy crap that i've got around the house just in case you know the cold clothes, I, I will elaborate on when we get to it. Um, it. It is the one thing that I will say that I was I was like, okay, you kind of cheated a little bit because they're off the timeline here. Oh, uh, okay. Off the timeline here because it was funny, right after we talked about this very scene and alluded to it last week, I am listening to, you know, Inside the Mind of BTK and then get to this part and I'm like, really okay so and and it puts it in context so i i I will actually uh, kind of break that down and so it is a bit disingenuous to end the way that they do because of what we've also already seen because we've seen with adt and everything else like that and so this is sort of off the timeline because this actually jumps back to 1974. this is right after the otero killings so we'll but we'll get to that. We we have not yet discussed the um, the the uh, the trial with the Office of Professional Conduct or whatever the OPC conduct issue. Yeah, so you know we see the typical when you get called to the principal's office and everybody has to go in and talk to the principal by themselves, and you're like, oh shit, I wonder what they're in there saying about me or about us or how how everybody's ratting each other out. We we pick up where. Holden is still waiting his turn and Tench is the one that we see coming out of the principal's office. <laughs> I'm just calling it that. I know it's not a principal. I know it's not a school for fuck's yeah. sake. I hope everybody out there is at least on that level with us. It's basically <laughs> what it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 what, it's what we're supposed to understand. You know, it's a, uh, it's a relatable analog, I yeah. guess. Yeah. We don't see it. a lot of eye contact between the partners um, after that, when that yeah. happens. There's not a lot of eye contact. And of course, 
Greggy's just sitting there, all comfortable, comfortable as can be. He's. he's I don't think he didn't look too comfortable to me. Yeah, I, don't <laughs> think he comfortable. I wouldn't say he was comfortable. I think he realized that he fucked up pretty bad, you know that. Yeah. Um, and it really does after his moment of glory in episode nine of like, oh look, you're actually good at this. You could read crime scene photos and sort of do a quick workup on a profile and you're pretty much on point and correct oh but you're still a fucking idiot huh you're still one of these like (laughs) gotta tell the teacher it's friday afternoon and you didn't give us weekend homework guys you know like again that it was just purely almost from the use of the word cover-up that he's like oh i can't be part of cover-up like dude fuck you do you know what a cover-up even is like we're not talking about (laughs) we're not talking about like hoover cover-up or jfk assassination cover-up not that that had happened yet but we're talking about like just shut the fuck up and don't tell your girlfriend that you had sex with somebody that you don't even remember having sex with just stop all right like for fuck's sake grow up and be an adult how this shit works i'm sure that was a really bad example everyone out there's like whoa i don't think i'm with clone on that one that sounded a little i don't know yeah how are you going to be part of the boys club if you're going to tell on the boys you know i mean that's 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 the thing and and you know this was this was really holden ford's opportunity to be himself you know god yeah he, I mean, he he made these guys look like idiots. He really yeah. did, and, and that's and that's how he saw so many of them anyway, in their stuck in the mud sort of way that they went about things, and he used their own crap against them, you know, by you know using the. Oh, shit. I loved that. That was the best part, you know. And then what did yeah. they do? Yeah. First thing they did was stop the recording, you know, just like oh, like yeah. that's not gonna play poorly when you listen to it back. Like yeah. oh, really? <laughs> Why? Why did there? Why was there a click and a start stop there, guys? What? What did that mean? That shit stain comment? Did that mean something <laughs> to you guys? Let's have the OPC have a conversation with the OPC right now, guys. Uh, why don't you go talk to your boss about how you're conducting this investigation? I mean, tell yeah. them you're, you're using the same tactics I use, only not nearly as well. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, this is same, totally came out. This is the same thing I do, only better. I do it better. Yeah, <laughs> I do it better. Yeah. They're trying yeah. to play. He knew what he was right. He knew that he wanted to tell them, and they just were just falling for it all over. It well, the good. thing that pisses me off is that they're like suppressing evidence this is a big deal and he's like but i'm not you know to me it's like this wasn't a real investigation you know what i mean like it was an inquiry you know and um ultimately you know part of the thing i'm thinking right now is if they had destroyed the tape which to me tench it would have been a more badass if he had come out of his office walked over to greg smith's desk pulled the drawer open pulled the tape out thrown it into the ashtray and lit it on fire right there but instead he's like look just let it end burn the tape um shit i don't know what i was gonna say now now that i was going through that whole big elaborate build up there fuck if they had destroyed the tape would Greg still have admitted that a tape had existed at one point? Do you think, you know, would this have been one of those things where already the guilt was getting to him? Do you think that even if they had destroyed the tape, he still would have wound up like somehow he would have talked to IA or something. He's supposing he's a boy scout, you know, I mean, Yeah. yeah, I think so. And, and he's still so caught up in the old Hoover way, you know, and that's you're seeing the end of the Hoover era at this point in time in, in history where, you know, his edict was never do anything that reflects poorly on the FBI. 
And everybody was able to take that and put it into the twist that they wanted to put it into at that moment, you know? Yeah, so, man. It was beating the flim flam out of them. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's just, you know, he really, like I said, he really put those guys, you know, he, he showed his complete disdain for who they were mm-hmm. and what they stood for when he walked out of that room. And, I have no problem seeing him do something just exactly like yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Uh, uh, Douglas doing that, uh, it rings perfectly true. I'm sure that this is a generalization of how this might have gone down, but it, to me, I don't see him coming across any other way. You know, it's funny, too, because uh, the social norms would have demanded that the way he exits the room with Kemper is the way they would have expected him to exit the room with these guys, you know, the, the fact that these two huge sort of concluding confrontations for the season for Holden, both are featuring the finale move for him is to walk out of the room, to walk out the door. So like, so, so we already are being set up that season two is going to be a little bit of a transformation for him, right? He's walking from one period of his sort of journey on this, on this path to the next. Um, but he walks out of the one where, you know, this is, this is who you really are at the beginning of all this. You're an FBI agent. This is what's paying your bills. This is your actual vocation. Yeah, you know, I mean, when Kemper called killing his vocation, being an FBI agent is really his job. And that's the one where he walks out, basically giving them the finger, going like, go fuck yourself, guys. Yeah. I'm awesome. You need me more than I need this. Yeah. yeah. And he, <laughs> so true. <laughs> he gave him the, you know, I'm an all-star sort of, you know, starting quarterback, you know, you can't uh-huh. touch sort and, of sort and, of thing. And Hold then it. then when he goes to see Kemper and he walks in with a false sense of security and um sort of arrogance that then really does a 180 by the end of that scene, when he finally does come running out and at first he's he feels like he's okay because he comes out and then he then he stops and he starts walking. But after a few steps, he does that collapse against the wall and then then he's leaning against the wall and a nurse comes up to him and asks him if he's okay. And he says he can't breathe and that he's dying. And then you hear the sort of the distorting of sound and the sort of breaking down of reality. And, and you hear that you're not dying. You're in the hospital. <laughs> and then, and it's a then, attack. but then you hear the things that you hear are pretty key. Like the, the, the lines that have come up in his moment now where he's like, trying to catch his breath he's got his face against the floor that's that like i drank too much and now even the toilet feels like a pillow like i'm just like oh thank god he's hearing things like you hear tench saying like you're getting too close to these guys you hear uh daniel's reprimanding him you even hear some of his own things that he said you know it's sort of like maybe this was the delayed response after the buildup of the Office of Professional Conduct and almost getting killed by Kemper, that you know yeah. this is his first moments of nearly of, of nearly of surviving nearly being killed by one of his own subjects, yeah. and suddenly the whole season came crashing down on him in one moment. Um, I even got the impression that, like, even if they called the FBI and said, "Hey, so we've got your agent here. He collapsed. He's had a panic attack. It was almost a heart attack. Uh, he was apparently attacked by Ed Kemper." Like the FBI might be like, just keep him there. <laughs> We're not coming to get him. <laughs> He's fired. You know, we'll pay the bill for this. But after that shit, you know, don't even let him come back here. 
I kind of expect season two to start off a little rough for Holden. I'm, yeah. I'm really, I'm really interested to find out where they go in season two. Yeah, for sure. The leak on season two is that it's going to center around the Atlanta child murders. Oh, which, interesting. Which he was a very active part of that investigation in breaking huh. Williams and uh, figuring out his his whole mo and. But what about as far as like his relationship with the team and yeah. and um. It's interesting that he, in the books, he name drops quite a few of people that are in his group, but he really never alludes to their role. So it'll be, in, I'm, I'm sort of interested to see if they keep this, you know, cop team together because he works with numerous people over the years. So it, it will be interesting because, yeah, I mean, you've got a set cast right now. Well, yeah. you can't like lose like to me, you lose either Tench or Carr and it's sort of already going to feel like, man, you guys already fucking this up in season two. Like it doesn't feel like season yeah. one at all. You know, I, I, and, and I, I also think that that's why they gave them these names and make them generalizations of characters. So I think that yeah, we'll see true. the same guys. I think we'll see the same guys. But I do. I think, you know, in addition, it is good to know that because there's another case that we'll see them working together again. But I really am interested to see. I'm always like to me, like when especially when movies like Independence Day, you know, that movie ends and it's like, oh, we just saw this whole onslaught, this alien attack. The the world's been blown up. All right. And that's the end of the movie. My interest is more like, hey, yo, the Constitution got burned the fuck up. <laughs> how do you start day one of rebuilding on this shit? Like, how yeah, was it yeah. downloaded digitally? Do you have copies on a computer somewhere? Because <laughs> You know, so to me, like, I'm interested in how, you know, how what happens when Holden wakes up from the the he obviously is going to wind up going unconscious from that panic, panic attack. attack. They're going to they're yeah. going to have to either drug him up or he's going to pass out. What what happens when he wakes up? Who's in the room? Is it Daniel's car and Tench? You know what I mean? Or is it is he in the bed next to Kemper? You know what I mean? Like, like, that's or what I, I want to know. <laughs> And how much trouble is he going to be in? Like, with the like the FBI are probably going to use the fact that he put himself in such a vulnerable position against him. I can't. Yeah. I can't see them not jumping on that opportunity to, will, you know, boil one thing by saying that he gets uh, officially reprimanded during the Atlanta child killing situation. Oh, oh wow! He does get a, uh, and, and he's like, the same day that he gets the reprimand, he's also being like given this big presentation and award of, of, of his amazing service and what he's done for this and that and the other <laughs> like one yeah okay sure whatever wow. he's like all right fine <laughs> so you're yeah. both on the same day man we're gonna kiss your ass and then whip it at the same yep. time yeah. yeah so uh yeah and and it's so you do get to see if if this plays out the way that it says it's going to um you're going to get to see the this Atlanta thing really for him. Um, it really pushes him to his limit. This is what's going to build up to his eventual um, aneurysm where he has the collapse and stroke and goes into a coma for three days before he's found in his hotel room. Wow. Oh spoiler gosh. alert on that. I know, right? Season wow. four. Season yeah. four right there, I guess, if we keep <laughs> going like this Netflix. So, but it's just, they, there's a lot going on. And, so now that we've covered all the big bases, um, I, I want to touch on this whole closing scene that we get yeah. of this Raider. 
after the Otero murders, the first killing when he kills the family of four, um, he had been profiling and stalking for a while. Okay, and his 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 projects, his PJs, um, and and you'll if you watch on some of those papers, you'll see PJ in the corner, and he's given them all code names because he fancies himself a bit of a a super spy secret agent type. Raider does. <laughs> and, wow. But when the Otero thing starts to get hot, he decides that the worst thing that could happen is that his wife or somebody could come across this notebook that he's got of these sketches of all these things he wants to do to these other women. Mm-hmm. And oh, okay. Yard and he burns them all. Now, later, when he becomes more arrogant and self-assured, he keeps them all. I was going to say... Yeah. I remember our big yeah. discussion of BTK last episode. You talked about how a lot of the evidence that was found was stuff that he like notes he kept, you know, and, and things that kind of almost <laughs> circumvented the need for a confession. It was like, well, dude, you basically wrote this shit down. You told it you have a recipe for how you cook this motherfucker right here. Like, we got it. You killed <laughs> these guys. You got it. <laughs> There's a lot of that. And he he um so that that sequence, like I said, it's a little out of context because he does that backyard burning right shortly after the Otero murders. Because so, I say definitely the way, again, the way it's presented here, it would make sense that it's like he's reading that there's this new sort of technique being developed while he's still under the radar going, oh, shit. <laughs> you know, like, first of all, yeah. I've, been good, I've been good enough to not turn myself in or leave behind any traces where they would... Uh, be able to connect it to me but i do have this stack of drawings i've done of shit that i've done to people so when i watched it this time i was reading it that way but then part of me was going but wait a minute though i thought when he gets busted he has all kinds of stuff like that that was what that was his early stuff and he keeps it later i mean and this guy did everything including cut out what he called slicks which were magazine ads and he would cut out the models and then he would artistically embellish them and for his last 13 years uh, in his job as a compliance officer and dog catcher for the Park City area, um, he would keep one in the passenger seat and tell it all the things he wanted to do to it. So, yeah, he was um, he was a freak on a leash. Hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and it's scary to know that even though during this time we have people like Holden developing this manual, you know, with car and tench to try to be able to catch people like him as they were getting better and better you know we're celebrating them in one in one respect like oh yeah look they got devier after his first murder you know they got him before he did this to a whole bunch of people this guy still was able to operate you know pretty much of his own accord you know and he was just very disciplined you know and he had his own sort of structured way talk about an organized killer and it was interesting too how Kemper. That was one of the things Kemper at like demanded of Holden was like, "Give me my psychological profile." You know mm-hmm. what? Would you, how would you classify me? You know, there's there's uh, in the narcissism and arrogance that goes with all of this. There's this. I want to know how you're labeling me, and I better like what I hear. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yep. it's the same way that Holden is about you know wanting them to make sure that they un- they re- always remember that this was all because of him. He started this. This was his idea. And well, it, and Raider I, reads all of these books that Douglas eventually writes. He did actually read, um, and, and one of them it's called Obsession. And I don't know when it came out, but when Raider read it, 
Uh, Douglas did not name BTK directly. It was a quote fictionalized situation. And then he did a profile on this fictionalized situation, which was basically BTK. And Raider saw through it. He knew exactly what it was. And so he got to see what they thought of him. And he just, he thought he was so much smarter and better than the police. And, and that that's why he wasn't going to get caught. And the odd thing is, you know, he wouldn't have gotten caught if his ego wouldn't have gotten so big. I mean, that's yeah. just, yeah. You know, I mean, he'd yeah. gone over a decade without killing somebody. And then on the 30th anniversary of the Otero murders, they write a retrospective article. And the thing that sets Raider off is when the guy that writes the article says that in his criminal science class or whatever, when he mentions BTK, and this is at Wichita State University right there where Raider went to school and took classes and he mentions BTK and nobody knows who he is. <laughs> that's what sets Raider off again. <laughs> so yeah, that's how he got caught. Um, yeah. that, that's it always what comes doing. down to the ego, man. Uh -huh. It does. And, and you see, like I said, you see, you know, Ford's ego in this um, in a way that really does ring true for the character that it's based on. And yeah. So I am excited to see how they take this on into season two. Is there any specific uh, cliffhanger that feels like it's the one that bothers you the most or that uh, like, cause I remember when this episode ended pretty much like always when I'm watching a show on a streaming service and it's like, all right, it's uh, halfway through the episode and it suddenly recurred to me like, oh yeah, this is the season finale. There's not going to be another one to just watch as soon as this one ends. So prepare yourself. And it's still like when it was over, it's like, fuck, come on. You know, like, like I'll never, I don't think I'll ever be satisfied. Even when a show ends on its own terms, you know, it's, it's, it's a rough one. And of course, you know, aside from the obvious of, all right, well, what happens? Who, who, who does Holden see first when he wakes up? Um, are there any sort of cliffhangers that stand out for you that you're like, oh my God, I need to know what happens next? For me, I'm excited to see them earn their legitimacy. Because I think what we saw yeah. in all of season one was their drive to earn legitimacy, and they still hadn't gotten it yet. I mean, that was proof positive in the situation down in Atlanta, which Carr should have never gotten herself involved, herself involved in anyway. But it's seeing who are some of the people that stepped in and said, you know what, maybe these guys are onto something. Maybe this really does work. How does the legitimacy really come through? Because for all that I've read and everything that I've listened to, that is the one thing that I've still not really heard. And it is seen legitimately now. They're, they're, yeah. they're, very, they're taken very seriously. So I would like to see sort of where that legitimacy came from. Hmm. I agree with you. And the only, th the only thing that I, I, there wasn't really any big things that I was like, Oh, I need to know. I think they're going to be starting off season two. It's going to, it's, it's going to have to be quite a bit different, I think. And I don't know why that I think that, but I'm, I'm hoping they bring in some, some other serial killers that, that are known that we get some more research on or that we can research more of. Hmm. That's the only thing that I, that I can think of. There I wasn't like anything that like drew me in that I was like, I need it right now. So. Well, I kind of am interested to see what happens with Debbie, if Debbie will be around in season two at all, you know, and yeah. um, how the parallels between their relationship are affected by the parallels between how Holden is feeling about the work that they're doing and, and the sort of, uh, 
the traumas kind of are, are always working in tandem there. And I do like that there is sort of this theory out there that she actually might be BTK's daughter or something like that. She's either a serial killer in the making or related to one of these serial killers. And that could be part of the reason she's so critical or at least so interested in uh, Holden's sort of perspective when they're doing these psychological profiles. Um, So there's that. Um, I also wonder if any of these old cases are going to come back up. Like will the, um, you know, when they execute the, the sort of uh, mentally challenged uh, brother in that triangle murder of the woman in the top, you know, like once he's yeah. uh, executed, will the will the older brother or the brother-in-law who actually was the mastermind behind it, will he start flapping his gums in whatever mental institution he's imprisoned in and start, you know, taking responsibility for that? How will some of those things start to kind of come back to uh, affect where they are in the project and the in the sort of study? Um, things like that. Like, I feel like that this is the kind of show that has that level of attention to detail that probably throwaway sentences are going to come back to haunt us you know that's true now, now that you say that it's like it takes me back to that very first case they had it was the it was the old lady that got killed and they never could figure out why who it was and i was like oh, oh no, that. yeah the one with never? the the where the guy said you know explain to me why someone sticks a broom handle yes. up a little boy yeah like yeah that one like maybe they figure out after they get all their research and they can they're able to narrow it down to some suspects or something that would be interesting there were several cases that he talks about in the book, and I'm kind of curious as to which ones they're going to throw in and make the the Altoona and the Georgia cases of of next season. You know, because we got the Altoona case and we got this case in Georgia. Um, yeah. And listening to the breakdowns of those, now I'm listening because around this time he also does the the Tylenol murder uh, thing that took place in Philly, um, and, and there's so many other cases that that he touches on. And so I'm kind of curious to see which ones they'll use next season as they build their legitimacy with the, the Atlanta child killings. You know, and they do get to interview Berkowitz and Manson. So, you know, we'll probably see that. And it'll be interesting to, to watch those unfold because, like, his whole thing about the Manson interview is he was so disappointed and so bored. Um, <laughs> that he was like, you know, this guy's just an idiot. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Yeah, I could see that too, yeah. But Berkowitz, he really dug in there and got information out of this guy and used him. And interestingly enough, he uses, he references BTK when he talks to Berkowitz, which later on Raider finds out about and gets so excited when he talks to, because Douglas actually does go to Kansas and interview Raider in prison. Um, and, And... you know, drag some tape on him for, for his book and everything. And when Raider found out that he was used when they interviewed Berkowitz, he was very excited by that and everything else. But so it'll be interesting to see if the Berkowitz thing happens. And I'm hoping that we'll continue to get the, the BTK snippets as the, the cold yeah. open cold closed throughout, because this really is a case that he couldn't let go of all the way to the very end. Huh. Yeah. Well, I would hope that that means that eventually we're going to get that as part of the show, too, is his like maybe even if it's the final episode of the series is his interview with BTK in prison, you know, something like that. Or I mean, even though it would have to be 
from what the way you just described it, it sounds like it would have to be the timeline would have to be because how would how would he use Raider in an interview with Berkowitz if Raider isn't caught until 2004? You know what I mean? Well, like, talking about his motives and his methods. And the thing is, is he profiles the BTK killer for Wichita twice. Once oh, wow. I think in 70, 76 or 7 and then again in 84. Um, so he actually speaks with Lemunian and I believe he even spoke with Landwehr but it might have been Lemunian both times. I'm not sure. Anyway, he he speaks to them and profiles this guy and gives them a profile. And it's interesting the stuff he got right as well as the stuff he got wrong. You know, when he was profiling. Him. So he references the profile when he talks to Berkowitz, right? And talks gotcha. about yeah, and talks about you know, well, you know, there's this guy in Wichita, blah 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 blah, or in Park City, and you know, so it's it's. I am hoping that they throw those interviews in, and I'm hoping that they keep that BTK snippet throughout yeah. the season. I think it's I think it yeah. really ties the season in nicely, based on how vital he felt that was in his career. Because you know it was one of the things that he saw as he missed the opportunity on. Because when he retires in the mid the late '90s, you know Raiders still out there, and when he gets the call from Wichita, he's on a plane. Yeah, I mean Zodiac never got caught either, though. Too so yeah. there's, there's that. Yeah. There's a couple that are floating out there, but maybe we'll see. I would like to see Zodiac in, included in this as well, um, yeah. in some way. I, and and I also am just interested to see how they're gonna continue to make seasons of this show. Like this season is very tight. You know what I mean? The way that this this season flows, um, the way that the the cases compound on top of each other as they move forward and how they evolve and progress. Uh, it's difficult to follow up with this. Yeah. Of yeah. Powerful television. Yeah, and I exactly. think that a show like this could be responsible for why a lot of these true crime documentaries are becoming popular as well. You know, it's, I feel like it's no accident that Netflix drops this. And then all of a sudden we get things like evil genius and the staircase, you know, and, yeah. and they all have these very sort of not single syllable, but very simple, direct one or two word titles. You know, this is mind Hunter. Then there's mm -hmm. the staircase and evil genius. It's like very quick, easy names that are catchy, that would make you think like, oh, what the hell is that about? Mindhunter, you know what I mean? And um, just such a cool concept, the way this whole thing unfolded, the way that I still come back to that opening scene and just say that's such a brilliant open and to have it be sort of bookended with such a quiet but equally disturbing close. Yes. You know, it's just so well-crafted. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. Going to try to go into it with an open mind, hoping and knowing that they have the capability to do this again. So, uh, yeah, man, it's it's almost painful. Even this closing out the season here and uh, saying it's going to be a little while before we come back. You know, obviously, we have yeah. a lot of other things going on at the Hollow Nine Network and elsewhere for us all to sort of pimp before we get going. But uh, be rest assured, the behavioral sciences division is not being disbanded by any means. We will be coming back to do season two and maybe we'll have a few bonus episodes throughout the wait uh, before it comes back because i'm sure this this show is so similar uh to so many other movies that uh that 
kind of come close to having the same level of quality and caliber that uh, it would make sense for us to do something just to make sure the cobwebs don't build up too much on this feed. <laughs> um, but before we uh, before we do that, we do have to say goodbye for this one. And thank you for sticking with us and making our Mind Hunter podcast one of the uh, most highly downloaded shows on the Hollow Nine Network. We really appreciate everybody out there. Um, keep your eyes open for some things that are literally about to drop, like even possibly tomorrow things like patreon and ways for you to support the network and and just big news big news about some some new directions and changes that are coming down the pike but before i uh, get too far down being cryptic that way let me uh, let my co-host here have an opportunity jennifer erp why don't you pimp some stuff what have you got going on uh, in the world of the internetica Ooh, we got a lot going on. So season three just started uh, Wine on Earth two weeks ago. We just had the second episode last night. So we are trying, Jennifer, Nine, and I are trying to get caught up on season two podcast so that we can start on season three and actually do it during the season. So there you go. We'll, we'll, we'll hope that gets done here in the next week, hopefully. Yeah, my phone battery uh, was like struggling to stay alive with uh, Jennifer Nine uh, live tweeting the the show last night. Oh yeah, yeah. I didn't. I didn't. I I think I tweeted twice during the during when I watched it last night because I was like I was just like this the whole time, just like couldn't breathe. Um, it was really good. And so we got that, and then I got the comic blog. I've got another comic blog dropping probably this week. I gotta just proofread it real fast over on Comic Crush. And yeah, that's what I got going on so far. Cool, cool. Yeah. The Holland Eye Network, we're always cranking stuff out. TW, why don't you pimp some stuff? What do you got going on? I know besides bearding bees and all kinds of good stuff. <laughs> uh, well, let's see. Uh, we've got, uh, we're working on breaking down the staircase, which uh, you just mentioned, which I'm working on with you uh, for Hollow Nine. So uh, that's that's my big Hollow Nine project. Um, waiting on scripts for the next Tangent City push. So that's, that's going on. And in between that... Uh, I've, I'm probably uh, four to five weeks out from harvesting my first, uh, you know, honey harvest from the bearding bees. So that'll awesome. be, uh, be sending some of that out hollow nine way. So some lucky listener slash, you know, viewer uh, is going to get a chance to have some good old Pacific Northwest honey from our backyard. Um, yeah. Zombie Kata honey is coming to you. Uh, I've got, Currently, eight audiobooks in queue. I'm working on four simultaneously. Uh, I got contracted to do a six-part series, so I'm not really counting that in my numbers, but that's I'm digging through that piece by piece uh, and writing the fourth book in the Dead series. So that'll be my. I think that's somewhere close to in the I'm close to 40 books of my own out now. So, wow, oh my God. And he still makes time to hang out with us and do these podcasts here with the Hollow Nine Network. So that's pretty awesome. Um, very cool, man. Thank you for joining us. And everybody, check all that stuff out. You can find uh, T.W. Brown on Amazon.com. And uh, as far as Hollow Nine goes, uh, you know, I'm sure everybody saw we had a big push with a promo for an interview I just did with G. Tom Mack, who, for anyone yeah. who's not familiar with him just by name, just think Lost Boys and think Thou Shall Not Kill, and you'll know exactly who I'm talking about. So uh, please keep your eyes open for the pieces of that that will be released both in video format and audio format. We're going to be doing some promotion work for the Lost Boys musical that he's got in the works. Um, and, uh, you know, not too far from now, very shortly as summer comes to a close and 
fall kicks off. We're going to have what's going on as our Northeast Con season. We've got uh, New Jersey Horror Con coming up. We're going to be hanging out with G. Tom Mack again at Monster Mania in Maryland. And then we've got New York Comic Con in October in New York City. So Holiday Network is uh, hitting the ground running. We've got lots of stuff going on. We'll have lots more Holonine wear coming to you, uh, available for you to buy and wear out and tell everybody that you love hanging out and listening to Holonine. So it's, uh, you know, 2018's rocking and rolling, and we're celebrating our one year anniversary right now. So uh, thanks for being a part of that. Thank you guys for being a part of the show and helping uh, helping us cover Mind Hunter on Netflix, another awesome show from the streaming service. And uh, yeah, keep your ears and eyes open for when we come back, for when season two drops. We'll be covering it right here. And uh, you'll be, uh, I guess, first to hear it from us. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope. <laughs> or last, but it'll be the first time you're hearing it on our airwaves. So no matter yeah. what, you're always hearing it first here. I don't know. Somehow it works. Start <laughs> the water, water cooler. Listen to us and then just yeah. rip us off blindly. Hang out at the water cooler and spit all this stuff out. People think you're a genius. Exactly. Or crazy. Or crazy. We're helping you survive that cocktail party where people are starting to talk about Netflix and they don't know what they're talking about. You just drop all this mind hunter knowledge, create a few Ed Kempers that we didn't know were walking around. <laughs> all right, folks. They say uh, everybody walks past five serial killers in their lifetime. So I think all of us have hung out with way more than that doing this show this season. It's been a blast. <laughs> and we'll be back season two. Until then, I'm calling this meeting to adjourn. Bye-bye. See you guys later. You've been listening to the Hollow Nine Network, bringing you the very best in fan-made media. That's the word hollow, the number nine, I-N-E. Now broadcasting from our new home on the web, hollow9.com, where you can find info on all of our awesome programming as well as the team behind the shows. Leave us your feedback, join in the conversation, and be a part of the action. Find the Hollow Nine Network on Facebook, Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. Rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. Email us at info at hollow9.com or at hollow9podcast at gmail.com. Join in the fun. Hollow 9.